This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. No Hello and welcome to this week's No Day Never podcast. And I'm your host this week, George Poole, and I am joined by the illustrious Tom Whitaker. How are you doing, Tom? Hey, George. Yeah, not so bad. Thank you. Nice to be back with you. Um, it's just a shame we couldn't uh, we couldn't be meeting after a better result. That's the only problem. Yeah, we we've we've really done this the wrong way, haven't we? We start we had three or four games of you know decent results, really good performances, and then the one let's say performance that's gone off the rails a bit. We uh, we were meeting to, to to record the podcast, but not to worry. We've we've improved along. A long way since uh, we last did a podcast, so I think there's still plenty of positives to talk about. And to start with a positive, we're going to start our recap with a look back at the Brighton game. So, Tom, going into Brighton, you know, it's middle of February. We've played Watford, United, got two decent draws, but then we've had maybe a narrow loss to Liverpool where we we ended up going down 1-0 at that one. What were your thoughts going into the Brighton game? And I I presume at that point you were, like, like many of us, just thinking dead and buried, let's just see how this rest of the season goes. Yeah, I think for me, it's a ground where we've got a good record, so I was hoping we could go there and get something, but uh, probably wasn't expecting us to, to play as well as we did and get the result we did. Um, obviously, the storm and everything, it was a bit of a grim day to play. I don't know whether that, that helped us a bit. I mean, really, it's, it goes to, to, to say anything about whether we were just a better team on the day. It was the most complete performance of the season, I think. We attacked really well, we defended really well nullified a team that's been going really well in the league. Um, scored two two fantastic goals, one slightly less fantastic goal, but uh, it was it was really good for Vegas and, and Brownell to get on the score sheet. Tremendous goal by Lennon as well. We got the goals at good times. We controlled the game really from start to finish. And yeah, it was a performance that that really gave certainly gave me a bit of hope that you know we've we've had games this season where we've played well. Um, we've got some creditable draws. We've not quite got the wins over the line, and obviously that's been our big problem this season. But to win in that manner, and to uh, you know to to get the ball rolling on uh, a, a good week, uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic, really encouraging, and obviously it led nicely into the next game then on the on the Wednesday. Certainly, and it was so brilliant to see. Uh, I was in Chester that week, and I remember we were driving between going for a walk for my friend's birthday and going to a bouldering centre so we were driving on the motorway and I was watching the stream on my phone and yeah 20 minutes into the game suddenly Val Veghorst absolutely nails a, a thunder blaster into, into the back of the net and uh, I think my uh, screaming almost got the car got the car changing lanes but it was a brilliant finish by Veghorst wasn't it and it, you know it was so good to see him get off the mark because his performances had deserved that first goal yeah for sure I think you can see that um, he's got attributes that would Wood didn't certainly when he was playing that sort of classic number nine centre forward role. It's benefited the team. I think the midfield looks better with him playing. Um, his link up plays really good. Obviously, he, he dropped back uh, back to goal and, and got the assist for Josh Brownhill's goal. And the finish, uh, I, I think, to be fair to the guy, he's not obviously it's his only goal so far, but he's not had a lot of brilliant service in and around the 18 yard box. But uh, you know, Roberts did really well. Lovely little cutback for him, and it's a sumptuous finish. It, 
very much reminiscent of uh, the goal that Ashley Barnes scored. I think his first one would be West Ham Torino a few years ago. Just that little cutback from the edge. Caught it sweeter than not. And the keeper hadn't even moved by the time it was in the back of the net. Fantastic goal. Yeah, certainly. There's, there's some moments in, 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 in recent Burnley history where you just see the, the peak of a, of a strike partnership. I remember, you know, obviously, Vings back in the day, there was plenty of games where you thought, wow, that's them too pinging as they should. And that West Ham game was probably the height of the Barnes and Chris Wood strike partnership where we seem to be turning every team over. And these two traditional strikers, as the uh, pundits like to call them, thinking they were being nice, these two strikers, they couldn't deal with them. So, yeah, it, that goal of Veghorst did really remind me of that goal from Barnes down at West Ham back in the day. Um, and obviously, going into, the week, going into the week after the Brighton game, we had Tottenham at home and before we go on to talk about the result, how good was the atmosphere going into that time? Just when you were going to the ground, it just felt there was this groundswell of uh, the fans really getting behind the players and ready to uh, make it one of those rip-roaring nights at Turf. Yeah, the, uh, the win at Brighton and, and particularly the performance, I think, gave so much belief uh, around the club, around the team, around the fans. And that really carried into to that game against Tottenham, you know, it's one of those teams, you know, that they've always got a bit of, you know, a bit of a soft underbelly. Obviously, they've got some great players, but well, I think the adjective Spurs in and, uh, and so it proved, you know, you, you've always got a sense when you're playing Tottenham that we've got a chance here. If we, you know, if we can keep it tight at the back, we can nick a goal. Uh, you never know what kind of Tottenham team is going to turn or a bit like Arsenal in that sense. You always hear you can get at them. Um, and I think we really needed, you know, uh, that result for two two reasons. One, it's a statement when you know we've we've uh, dropped points against a lot of the teams that are around us in, in the back of the relegation zone. So we needed three points against a team who were pushing at the top of the table. I think just again, to redress a bit of that balance, and also to, like I say, the belief, the the momentum. And then the other thing was in terms of speaking about momentum, it's back to back wins, which uh, which obviously we've not had all season. It's only our third win of the season, so. Um, not just in terms of what that does for you, in terms of points, you know, to, to get six points in a week or obviously seven as it, as it turned out, it's a massive boost. Um, but yeah, again, confidence, momentum, the belief that we can turn these performances into three points, it was huge, huge night for uh, for all those reasons. And that, yeah, that was yeah, the best I felt coming off of Birmingham in, in a long time. Yeah, it was, it was magic. And I've just been uh, doing doing a little a read-up of the, the match reports before we came on air today. And that, that, that win against Tottenham was actually only our, it was our first back-to-back Premier League win in 13 months. I mean, it just goes to show how much we needed that, um, to, to say the least. But it was a really spirited performance, I thought. Maybe first half, it was a very a scrappy game. There wasn't too much in it. But I thought second half, we really stepped it up. And it was clear that, I think it came out after the game that Dash just basically said to them all the time, you know, just play with that confidence. You know, you deserve to be here. Play, 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 play the ball on the ground. And, you know, we really did that in the second half. And it was a brilliant cross and a brilliant a brilliant cross by Brownhill and then a brilliant finish by Ben Mee with his head. And he doesn't score all too many goals, Tom, but he comes up with big goals, doesn't he, from time to time. Yeah, I remember one at Stamford Bridge a few years back. That was the infamous uh, Mourinho goals on Sunday game, wasn't it? So, yeah, uh, I think he scored at Man City as well. So it's not a bad record against the top six for a centre half. Fantastic header. It was. Uh, I said on Twitter, it's a proper Burnley goal. You know, like how many how many times in in the last few years have we had a, a one 0 win where we keep it tight in the first half, we get a goal from a set piece in front of the Jimmy Mack in the second half. And we sit on that and, and teams can't break us down. And yeah, textbook, absolute classic Burnley win. If we can get another three or four of them under our belts before the end of the season, then we will have a chance. And as you say, um, great header from Benny. Um, I think it was his 250th uh, Premier League appearance, but it was something like that, or a 350th event, something like that. It was a landmark appearance for him anyway. So brilliant for him to get a goal. Um, and then uh, obviously we'll probably talk about him a little bit later on as well when we, we do a more general overview, but uh, Brownhill starting to contribute um, goals and assists and it was a fantastic ball in exactly the kind of delivery you want with Westwood out he'd normally be the kind of the, the bloke who was taking their free kick so thought for Brown not to step up put that great ball in and then and obviously we got the finish as well so that was fantastic um, yeah and like you say the, the ground was rocking ah, it just felt brilliant didn't it brilliant win absolutely great night yeah it was magic it really was magic walking off the ground that night you just thought wow 
all of a sudden in the space of four days, we'd, we'd had more wins in the space of four days than we'd had in the previous nine months. And you just thought all of a sudden, you know, we can actually do this. The, uh, the impossible dream is on here. I mean, <laughs> for years I've watched the, uh, the brilliant, uh, there's a brilliant video on YouTube. If you type in the impossible dream Burnley and it's, <laughs> I think it's a match report from, uh, I think it might've been Northwest tonight when we, did almost did the impossible and turned Tottenham over in the Carling Cup in 2009. Uh, it wasn't to be that night, but there's a, a brilliant video on YouTube. You should check that out. But it almost seems this season that it is the impossible dream once again to stay up. I mean, if you look at the position we're in, th there's a reason why the, the, the fans are rightfully chanting the theme of uh, the great escape nowadays on away days because it really did seem like we were we were doomed even for the most optimistic of, of us. Uh, I think I'd even started to lose faith towards, towards the end. I mean, after we didn't beat Watford, for example, that was a, you felt at the time, wow, that's the season definer really. And we're going to, we're going to rue that day. But after the Tottenham game, things started to seem on the up. So we, obviously we're going to talk about the Palace game. Now we're going into the Palace game. You suddenly got this sort of expectation on you that, you know, we could, we could go there and, and, and take a good result. So, uh, Tom, it was good to see you before before the game, obviously, and we'll uh, I'll mention that later for all the, all the people who got involved with a photo project. But the game itself, it was a disappointing start, wasn't it? To see Palace score in the first ten minutes, you think, oh, that's that's not it's not the way to uh, start a, a game where you, you're looking to build the momentum and carry on that good run of form. Yeah, for sure. I think the word that you used there, expectation, is a good one um, because I think we've seen with the last two results not quite, obviously hitting the heights, the performance is not quite as good. Um, it's probably a bit of a realisation that, you know, just by winning a couple of games, we're not there yet. We've still got a lot of work to do um, and we're not going to be turning out nine, nines and tens every week. You know, it's, it's difficult in this league. You're playing good teams with good players and, and, that, and that did hit home on Saturday. You know, Palace are a well-coached team. They're going all right this season. And the two wingers, we always struggle to deal with their kind of speed down the flanks. I think Zahar, obviously, always a, a really difficult opponent. And Elise was uh, was the main man in that first half. I, uh, Peter's been playing really well, and I felt sorry for him because Elise had him on territory in that first half. Um, twisting him inside and out. He didn't really know which have to deal with him, whether to show him inside or show him outside. And obviously, it was uh, showing him outside that, that cost us that goal. Good ball in. Schlupp's just got in there, a little toe poke. Uh, and like you say, I think there was almost an expectation that we were going to go there and get something. Um, and then when that goal goes in, he's suddenly reassessing the whole season. So it was a bit of a shock to the system. But uh, obviously, it didn't turn out too badly in the end. No, it didn't. And you're right. He really, Elise did really have uh, Eric Peters um, on toast for breakfast for that for, for that Palace goal. I mean, he, he shredded them apart on that wing. And you just thought from minute one, I thought, wow, this kid looks special. And so it turned out. But viewers, listeners, it's a special moment in the night. We're welcoming Natalie Bromley to the podcast. And Natalie, <laughs> how are you doing? I guess you've had a busy day at work. Tell us I've how come to doing. come to reclaim my show. What's going on? Yeah, come on. Us, and you us. just got off without me. <laughs> tell us how you're doing. And tell I'm us, all right, thank you. What were your thoughts going into the Palace game? You know, we'd had two back-to-back -back wins for the first time in 13 months. And spirits were high, weren't they? Yeah, they really were. And actually, it was, it was kind of annoying um, from our perspective because we'd kind of all got ourselves relatively comfortable with the fact that relegation was on the horizon and we were like, we'd made peace with it. We'd had a good run. We knew that we were in safe hands as a business um, and we would come to it. And then all of a sudden, the Clarets do what the Clarets do best and give us all a little bit of hope, uh, which was quite worrying, really. Um, but yeah, and, and even, even though it wasn't another win it wasn't a third win on the bounce I I've got to say I think a point away at, at Palace uh, was a really good any point away from home I think is, is a really good point um, so I actually came away from Palace equally as as buzzing as I was um, it's a shame it got deflated a little bit by last night's performance I have no idea what you've been talking about in my absence so I might be covering duplicated ground here but uh, but yeah no Palace was good and it was a good point in the end it was. It was a good day. I mean, maybe too good for some, Tom, because going into the second half, we, we were still at the bar by the time by the time we hear this cheer from the Burnley end. Heaven forbid we'd missed a goal. I mean, it was it was. You a very, both missed it. I missed, both I missed it. I missed it. So I'm asking Tom what happened at the goal right now, because, Tom, we were down at the bar. 
we didn't realise the second half had kicked off and all of a sudden we're running around asking, who's the goal gone for? Who's it gone for? But thankfully, it went to us, didn't it, Tom? Thankfully, yeah, I've got a bit more self-control than George, so I was able to resist the lure of the half-time half. <laughs> well done, Tom. pounds on it to Salzburg didn't, uh, didn't appeal, <laughs> to be honest with me. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. £5, uh, £5 pints. Uh, £5 pints or £9 pints? £5, pounds, £5, I think. Too much, yes. anyway, for a pint of Carlsberg, whatever it was. Not quite nine pounds, mate. I've I've been working in Manchester for too long because that feels relatively reasonable, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, well, yeah, no, you were self-disciplined, though. See, listen to this, George. Yeah, I'm self-disciplined. The lesson because it was, uh, I mean, not not a spectacular goal, but you know that the for an away game, that's what you travel for into those moments when the goal goes in. Just hopeful ball down from uh, from Roberts. Lovely little flick from Rodriguez. Lennon, obviously, in superb form at the minute. I'm sure we'll talk about him a bit more as well. Um, just does what every classic winger does, gets to the byline, cuts it back, puts it into an area that's difficult to defend. And uh, Luka Milivojevic very helpfully did the rest for us, slid in and, and tapped it home. And it, he didn't really see it come in, especially the first half performance wasn't great. So to get to be back on level terms that quickly with uh, you know with the, uh, the performance level not quite being up to the standards of the previous week, it was, uh, it was very encouraging. And obviously, give us a very solid base for the for the rest of that game. No, certainly. And Natalie, to- Tom's mentioned three big names there. I think who are involved in that goal: Roberts, Lennon, Rodriguez. How much of a difference have those three individuals made to this team over the past month? Because it's 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 like night and day, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And we knew in January that something needed to change. We knew that the squad was very stale. It was the tactics were very stale. I think. Daesh's management um, abilities were looking pretty stale. Um, And we all thought that that would come in the transfer window in terms of volume, that we were going to get new players in. Um, Inadvertently, that did actually happen. I think Newcastle took Chris Wood from us with the distinct aim to get us relegated and to significantly weaken us. What they ended up doing is actually strengthening us because we um, replaced him with, with a far better player. Fair enough, we didn't get the numbers in. Um, but I just think, I think a lot of things in January change, bringing Veghorst in um, and just tightening up that big gap between central midfield and the front line. Um, the pain, I think, that some of the players felt with, with Wood walking out and a realisation that actually we were in a lot of doo-doo this season and actually this this was different. This wasn't just a case of us having to fight for our Premier League survival like we normally do. We were actually going to have to... Um, you know, we, this is serious. We think we're going down. Um, Aaron Lennon was probably the big, and I think we all knew that Roberts was going to be like, he, he should be right back. And I think he will, he is our first choice right back now. Um, I think Lennon's probably the biggest surprise. I think we were all pretty pleased when he came back. I think most of us would have happily offered him a new deal. Um but for him to turn in the performances that he has been doing recently, again, uh, Tuesday night for me uh, at home against um, Leicester, he was one of the, the shining points for me, an otherwise quite miserable night. Um, so, yeah, that, that I think unexpected. But how can, how can you be anything other than delighted for uh, Aaron Lennon? He is uh, he's such a fantastic character and you just want, you're willing him to do well, right? I think that's, that's where we all feel. Totally. And there's been a brilliant piece in, uh, I think it was in the Lancashire Telegraph um, in the past week. Where, oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's, it's a really good read. It's basically, well, it's basically just a write-up of Daesh's comments from a recent press conference. I, I believe it was after the Palace game, just where he, he talked about when, when Lennon came back to the club, or, well, started negotiating with Daesh and the, uh, the owners again about coming back. He basically said that he didn't feel like he'd left everything on the pitch due to one reason or another when he was with us in his first spell. Um, and he just felt he had something to prove again. And Daesh has said that he's talked to Lennon and just got him just got him running at goal again. And you can see there's a there's a massive change in the way he's playing. He's actually turning towards goal, running at his fullback yeah. and, and, and going forward. And like Tom said earlier, you know, we got a lot of luck for that equaliser at Palace, but a lot of it comes from Lennon actually just going after a man, seeing what seeing what chances he can create. And uh putting a ball in the box because that's all you can do really as a winger and yeah. the, look's, the look's gone his way so yeah it's brilliant to see Lennon at the top of his game again and it, it, it was on the uh, the commentary for the Leicester game even the comment, commentary team there were saying 
what a difference it, it makes with Lennon looking like his best again. So, no, I really did enjoy watching Lennon at Palace. And there was many things to enjoy at Palace, weren't there, Tom? And I, rem- I remember seeing your tweet after the game about just the away, the away end in general. Uh, the, fa- the fans were brilliant, weren't they? It was a really good day out, despite not quite getting the win. Yeah, really good. I think that, you know, that week prior to the last game has really engendered like a lot of confidence, a really a real feel-good factor. Um, and I think the, the fans that were there at Crystal Palace really wanted to reflect what we've been getting on the pitch in the previous two games. Uh, you know, encouraging. Uh, you know, it's one of them, you know, sometimes you get the away ends where the songs are all about, you know, your rivals or, you know, the opposition. It was one of them away ends where it was really good to hear loads of new chants for the players who were playing really well. You know, people have obviously recognised that Vegos, uh, Lennon has been speaking about, Brown, they're playing really well and, uh, and wanted to make some chance for them supporting the players, supporting the team. It was really good, yeah. It was a really a proper, you know, old school, really good away end. Um, and, you know, got a performance it deserved, I think, or certainly got a result it deserved anyway. Uh, and it's really good to have the team and the fans bouncing off each other like that. It's, it's always a recipe for, for success, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a really good day out. And uh, just as Natalie said, it, it felt just as good, I think, coming off that, that um, game, the point, as it had done the previous two, because then points mean so much more when you've got wins under your belt, when you've had good results in the past, then you just keep things ticking over. So, yeah, really good day out. Yeah, just keep things ticking over, like you said. I mean, after two wins, we could have been very easily gone down to Palace. Palace are a good team. Kind of have always tr- troubled us over the years. I remember there used to be a, a bogey team a big time when I, when I was a kid. Yeah. But they're that kind of team with the really fast wingers that we just don't like. You know, you can picture the likes of Lawton in the past, Peters at the weekend, just not quite getting 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 settled throughout a game. So I think we really did well to come away with a point and we really nullified them, I'd say, in the second half compared to mm-hmm. what we saw in the first. I mean, there was a cracking header from Veghorst, which was unlucky to be saved. But after the game, totally agreed, Tom. It was a brilliant day out and a lot of positivity. But going into the Leicester game, we'll talk about that now, Natalie. Do you feel after the previous week before, there was, there was a newfound expectation which maybe after the game has left many disappointed just with the result, but there did seem to be that there's a change, there's a shift all of a sudden. We've come from a team where we've all gone onto the turf and thought, well, it's a write-off, you know, we'll just see what happens. So now we're thinking, hmm, let's get a win here tonight. Yeah, I think, I think first and foremost, football is, and I've said this before, football is a really emotive sport and it, it, elicits so much passion out of people and I've never ever had a problem with fans allowing as long as it's not offensive and as long as it's not dangerous to people and it you know it's it's above the law I've never had a problem with fans being polar opposites or having quite extreme reactions to games if you want to be absolutely devastated after a defeat and think that the world is over uh, the footballing world is over and that all is lost and we're going to get relegated go for it if that's if you want to vent that way do if you want to be George Poole and every time we win you think we're going to be winning for the Champions League which is what we have to put up with listeners every single time something goes right in our WhatsApp group because he is he is like he's on the hamster wheel of positivity it's relentless um so and again and if that's if that gives if you want to embrace that euphoria with a really good result then do it that's why you're a fan and you can't have I don't think the positives that come with being a passionate football supporter without having those very extreme views. Um, so I have no problem with A, the expectation of that Leicester game or B, the reaction after it. And I think we need to prepare ourselves as fans to realise that this is going to be a really difficult season and it is going to bring out the best and worst in us as fans. Um, and it's going to test our patience levels um, I was very disappointed last night and I was in, I've still been in a bad mood all day today um, just because it felt very deflating after the encouragement, encouraged performance that we've had over the past week or so. Um, and the fact that it wasn't a great performance as well and it was everybody was off par really annoyed me because we can't afford to have an off day now. We're running out of games. It's like you, you've lost the luxury of just having an under par performance. You've got to put your shift in every single game um and i still desperately want us to survive because i think we can um i know the chances are slim so when 
you, you know, 10 minutes away from getting a valuable point at home against Leicester and just ticking those points away. And the manner of that first goal as well, everybody just switched off and just watched Michael hoof it right down midfield. Everyone's just like, oh, you know, maybe we should have scored that. Oh, look, it's in the back of the net. That irritated me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was annoyed, George. I'm not going to lie. I was annoyed coming off. Maybe not as annoyed as Robbie was in our group, who, quite frankly, I thought we lost him for a minute then. I thought he was going to... Uh, I'm not going to screen share them, listeners, because it was quite abysmal. But needless to say, he sheepishly, sheepishly came into our group this morning and went, yeah, I accept I maybe overreacted a little bit last night. Bless his heart. But how did you feel, Tom? Did you feel the same? I think me and Rich were sort of at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. I think yeah, you were. had it been... Um, had that been on the back of like two draws and a defeat or something like that then it would have been more disappointing but I think we've got ourselves into a much better position than we were even a couple of weeks ago um not that's not to say that we can afford to drop points or that we um you know that we're in a position where these winnable games at home are going to keep coming and coming because we haven't got that many games left but uh, it, it didn't feel as, as devastating as, as it could have done. You know, that Watford game, I was I felt awful coming off that one. But yeah. for this last one, I'm thinking, well, you know, uh, we're still, we're only a point behind, um, a point behind Everton. We're two, up, two behind Leeds, three behind Brentford. Still only four behind Newcastle. Uh, obviously, Everton now have got the game in hand, which is a weird feeling. But I think we have still got one on Leeds and two on Brentford. Yeah, so those advances have disappeared. Um, and I think, yeah, I think... Uh, I think the, the reaction from Dyche and, and the players afterwards in the interviews was was quite measured, and it's what it's how I felt as well. Really, it was, you know, it's been quite a week. Um, did I expect us to lose? I have to say no. Like we, we're normally good at home against Leicester. If you look at the records prior to that game, I think we'd only lost three home games, which which surprised me when I read that. Leicester had only won two away. Leicester had only got three clean sheets. So the stats all kind of pointed to us doing well. But uh, you know, we've had. Uh, quite a busy few weeks of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. We've not got a big squad to rotate. Um, we had a couple of players missing that we could have done with maybe, I think, Peters and Cork, you know, if they'd have been fit and uh, not leggy, then they would have started and they were they obviously played a good part in our uh, recent resurgence. Um, you've also got the, you know, the Corne situation, which is quite a difficult one. I'm sure we'll come on to that. Um, and, where, you know, whether or not you play him. Um, so, there was there was enough when you look back. I think when you look back at full time, there was enough kind of things that you can point out to say, well, maybe this is why the performance wasn't quite as good as they have been. Maybe this is why the real didn't quite go away. And even still, even with the performance level being off, you know, you could have that could have easily been a draw. I think if Vardy had come back a few days later, it's probably yeah. finished nil nil, and we're not too we're not too dissatisfied. If Corne, you know, that one that Trundles just passed the post. If that gets oh, like a direction, or if he's not, you know, half an inch offside in the first half, then we're talking about a different outcome. And you know, a point wouldn't wouldn't have made a momentous difference to the table, but it would have kept the the feel good factor going. But uh, yeah, like I say, I, it, it felt bad. I think probably partly because the goals came so late that it felt so bad. But if we're honest, it wasn't the best day. We didn't play that well. We we got what we deserved, I think, really. But that's not to say that. You know, I don't have any hope now that we can't replicate the performances from prior because what was missing for me before was the belief that we could turn these performances yeah. and this defensive display into results. And I think now we are showing that we can do that. So, you know, we're not going to win every game between now and the end of the season. We don't have to. We probably need to win maybe a third to half of them. Uh, I would say maybe five or six wins really to be to get safety. And last night hasn't made me think that we've got no chance of doing that now. So for me, yeah, a bit unlucky. Bit of a shame. Uh, probably deserved defeat. Let's just park it and move on. Let's see if we can get anything out of the weekend. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not not feeling downhearted at all. To be honest, it's not something mine. Can I just check with you though, Tom? Like we say, we need five or six wins now before the end of the season. This is a team that's won three games in 24. How the hell are we going to win six in the next what? 15, six, I don't even know how many is left. 15, 16 left. That's a big ask. It is for sure. There's only 13 left as well. So that's is it 13? Oh. Yeah. The difference is, I think, um, it's not the team. Yeah, it's not the team that's won one of the previous 25. It's, you, I mean, if you're a glass half empty kind of person, you could say that. If you're glass half full, it's the team that's won two of the last four and uh, yeah. and hasn't been outplayed in the other two. So 
yeah, for me, what was lacking was the belief that we could go and, and win a game like Brighton away or Tottenham at home. And we've shown that we can. So I think we're going to struggle on Saturday. You know, I don't expect us to beat Chelsea. And if we get anything out of that game, I'll be delighted. But the Brentford game now is massive. And, and I, I would say prior, prior to the Brighton victory and the performance, I would have said, I don't see there's a great chance of us going down there and winning. And now I, I think we could do that. I think we could go down and win there easily, especially with the week off in between. And when you look at how the landscape is now, the points we've gained on Brentford in just a week, it's it's not implausible that we could finish above Brentford, Watford and Norwich now, I don't think. Whereas to me, it looked implausible before. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's what you've got to focus on. I think for me is, is to focus on how they've played probably since the turn of the year, maybe that's a better way of looking at it than what came prior in 2021 because I think everyone would agree, aside from probably Watford at home and maybe, you know, you could say maybe the last two games with mitigating circumstances, the performance level has been pretty consistent and pretty good and against some difficult opponents as well. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That week off is going to be massive as well, isn't it, Tom? I mean, you know, between the Chelsea and the Brentford game because, Natalie, I don't know about you, but to be honest, the team... The team against Leicester wasn't the right team for me. You know, no. Peters, unfortunately, unfortunately, he just got injured. I thought Taylor performed well, but the other two changes, dropping J-Rod, bringing Corne in, dropping Court, bringing Westwood in, maybe, the, well, I, I sense they were due to just the players getting leggy, you know, after such so many yeah. games in such a tight period. I think, obviously, a week off between Chelsea and Brentford is going to help with that because... For me, Corney and Westwood don't start at the moment. For me, those no. those those changes were wrong on Tuesday night and probably helped helped us towards a loss in that game. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the Cork one's more excusable, I think. Um, and Dyche was quite honest in his reflection and he came out and said, Look, you know, it was just it was a big ask to ask Jack to play a fourth game so quickly. And he know we know that Cork's legs aren't what they were. He's getting on a bit now, bless him. Um, but I would have taken a half fit Cork over Westwood last night. I thought Westwood was was really poor. Um, and we looked exposed again in midfield. Um, and you know, I'm not one of Brownhill's biggest fans. I don't think he he's always the right player for that central midfield. But Westwood last night made Brownhill look like a superstar. Um, I thought it was a really poor performance. But I do understand that, and I do think you know if if Dyche was concerned about a midfield battle and he just thought that Cork's legs wouldn't last and it would, you know, we could suddenly find ourselves three 0 down and the game's gone very early on. Then I get that. Um, Corne to me is inexcusable. I just think, um, I don't know what's happened to him. AFCON's broken him. Um, he's come back and he isn't just isn't the player. He desperately needs some some game time. I guess I understand the argument that he felt like, you know, and I think a lot of people have said this, he felt like he could give him a little bit of spark. And, and you know, how do you get Corne back fit and back playing well without giving him minutes? Um but we don't have the luxury of that anymore. We don't have time. We're running out of games. We've got 13 games left. And the partnership between Vegos and Jay has been beautiful these past few games. They're creating chances. They're putting pressure on defenders. And I just think, for me, it was criminal that that didn't start. I'm really annoyed at Dash. I think that was a mistake. I, I am also really annoyed. And I've been in a rubbish mood all day. That being said, for me, one of the worst bits of last night was was unfortunately J-Rod for that first goal for Leicester because bless him, he did so ever so well to to close down their defenders, put pressure on, get them to make that pass back to the goalkeeper. He's done so well to run to the goalkeeper. But then he just he just does doesn't do the basics, which is closing down the ball and just getting in the path of the ball. He runs to the side of Kasper Schmeichel, lets him kick the ball, and then from there upwards, yeah, okay, it's bad defending. But for me, it could have been stopped at the source. So, Tom, you know, just think about that first goal last night. Was you know, am I being harsh on Gerard here? You know, he's done well to track them down. But for me, he's got to put a foot in there because not only could it have stopped the goal, it was in a cracking position. So, if he takes the ball off Schmeichel there, we're in. We're one 0 up. Or all, all being well. So, for me, Tom, Gerard's really, unfortunately, I love him to it, but he's at fault for that first goal. Um. I think it's a bit harsh to say he's at fault for the goal because, I mean, I, I agree with you. If you're going to run all that way, what's the point of then pulling out of the, blocking the, the clearance? Um, you might as well slide in and see what happens. But 
you know, I don't think that's realistically going to result in a goal. You probably, at best, you'll block it and it'll go for a throw-in or, or a goal kick. And I agree with you, he should have done that. But, you know, you're not expecting, you know, he's put the keeper under enough pressure that he's not had time to have a talk to or think about what he's going to do. And let's be fair, like, it, I mean, it's a great a great kick up the field, but they've been lucky that that's led to Vardy being onside. He's got onto it. And the big fault for me is, and this is something that frustrates me quite a lot, you know, obviously we're quite famous for defending deep, defending on the edge of our own box. Uh, and to me, what, what we do a lot in those kind of situations, and, it's, and I think it's uh, a, a great point that Natalie made earlier about we look worse with this when Westwood's in the team as well, is that we just let teams get the ball in that in those areas. So that ball comes forward, and there's still a lot to do for Vardy. Now, he does fantastically well. His touch is brilliant. He takes it down, he lays it off. But when that ball bounces once, Tarkovsky should be flying through the back of him and getting his head on that for me. I don't understand why he's, he stands off him and allows him to have that touch, because he only needs one great touch to kill it, lay it off, and then we're in disarray. Now, you know, we don't close Madison down for the shot, fine. It's because of, obviously, everyone's out of position, the way the ball's gone front to back so quickly for me. So I can understand how that happened. But that, for me, uh, the point to stop that was there when that, when that ball bounces the first time. Someone's just got to be on that. They can't be letting Vardy have the touch and turn and lay it off. Uh, and I think Tarkovsky, even if he risks, you know, Vardy's between him and the ball, maybe brings him down and gives it a free kick, that's preferable for me then letting him have the touch and see what happens. And that's what's cost us the goal. Now, like I say, um, there's a bit of luck involved in the fact that that ball gets to him so perfectly and he's, and he's, uh, and he's on side. And you've got to applaud as well the skill involved. So, Vard, like I said, the touch is fantastic. The layout's really good. And Madison, when he saw him lining that up, he's got in a talent that you know that's going in the bottom corner and he's not going to give Pope a chance. And, you know, realistically, there's two or three where the Leicester player shouldn't have given Pope a chance or maybe you wouldn't have expected him to have a chance and he's pulled some absolutely fantastic saves out the bag. Um, you know, the two from Barnes are brilliant saves um, and the one from Pereira as well. So, you know, maybe our looks run out there as well. Um, so, I think it's a bit harsh to blame Rodriguez. For me, Tarkovsky was what frustrated me the most about that goal. But as well, you know, you do that against most teams um, and they're not going to take advantage of it in the way Leicester did. So, you've got to hold your hand up there as well. Does it temper your frustrations, Natalie, with the defence in, in that Leicester brought on Madison and Vardy, you know, two England internationals, cracking players, and we, we you know, had Ashley Barnes to bring on. You know, we're not blessed in, in that department. Does that temper your frustrations? Or are you looking at, you know, the defence of that first goal, Connor Roberts for the second goal, and just just thinking, you know, with despair at how we've let a, a solid point go down the gutter? Um, I don't know, to be honest. It's really difficult. I think Tom's really good at keeping us all in check with this when we talk about this offline. And he always gives us a really solid realism um, about this. And you've got to look and say, we're we're Burnley and we have a squad that's not only made up of players that don't cost 30, 40 million, they cost 15, 16 million for our star players. Not only that, we ask those players to come to us at some of the smallest um, wages in the division. So they're not getting, okay, let's take a reality check here. They're still getting more than most of us earning a lifetime, but compared to what they could earn somewhere else, it's very, it's very low. And they also have to take a pay cut if they get relegated. So we ask a lot of these players. Um, so that limits the amount of players that, that can come to Burnley and who, you know, we get grafters and we get people who want to play for a club. And that's always given me a great deal of pride in what we do here. Um, so when Leicester can bring on those kind of substitutions that cost the money that they did, you think, well, you can't, that's just where we are in the food chain of the Premier League. We haven't got the luxury of buying those players. So we can't really sit there and think, you know, you can't begrudge another team being able to bring those substitutes on. It's happened to us all season. Managers have been able to bring substitutions on and, and change games and take it away from us. And we've got no options. Um that said, um, I think, as, to, as Tom Rattley said, I think we've got players who could do better than they did do for those goals. So it does annoy me a little bit when they underperform to the extent they do. And you think, no, you know, Taki, you're better than that. You know, you were in the England setup not so long ago. Like, you, you can perform better. You can make better decisions. Um, but I don't tend to get too carried away when sides that are much bigger than us can bring on multi-million pound players because that's where they are. And if we, you know, if, if we had those players, 
you know, they, we wouldn't be Burnley. You know, we don't get those players because we can't afford them and that's not where we are. At some point, maybe, but not right now. And talking about multi-million pound players, I mean, you know, there's a team right above us in the league, Everton. Um, obviously, you know, I've spent a lot of money in the last five years, but they also improved in January. So, Tom, you know, after last night, I'm just looking at the table now, 25 games played, 21 points. Now, unfortunately, like you said earlier, it feels really strange to see a team above us who have a game in hand on us. I mean, that's not how the Premier League works these days, surely. Burnley have a game in hand on everyone, at least one, but not Everton, because Everton have got a game in hand now. They're a point above us. Are, are you still thinking, you know, they're well well in the, the mix or are they a team that you expect to sort of push on towards the end of the season? Well, I think, if anything, uh, you know, the, the last couple of weeks have told me that uh, it's perhaps not not wise just yet to, to say teams are in it or out of it because I, I genuinely could not see a scenario in which it was not three from four. I thought it was going to be Newcastle, Norwich, Burnley and Watford. And I thought, as soon as Newcastle pull away, that's it. Well, our goose is cooked. And, and obviously, I've said that time. And, you know, Pete, I, I'm gonna, I've got to give John Robertson a mention. Um, you know, he's, he's been at me on Twitter the last couple of weeks because he said to me a few weeks ago, you know, Brentford are catchable. And I said, 10 points. I said it on this podcast as well, 10 points. There's no way we're making up 10 points um, because they've got one point from seven games and we're still 10 points behind them. And then a week later, we're three points behind them with two games in hand. And we're playing them in a couple of weeks. So I've got to hold my hand up there and say that, you know, maybe I was slightly too pessimistic. Now, obviously, I didn't see us getting seven points in a week, but we've proved that we're capable of doing it. Um, Everton, Leeds, Brentford, not, none of them are in good form. That's not to say they won't be between now and the end of the season. Um, Leeds are a bit of an unknown now, new manager. I don't think he can do any worse than Bielsa. I've been doing the last couple of months, but I'm not sure he's the answer necessarily. Brentford obviously not going to make a change and that might benefit us. And talking about Everton, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sold on Lampard. Um, you know the jobs that he's had, he's had two jobs that he's he's been parachuted into really um, with good budgets and expected to be challenging at the top of the league. And it's a completely different scenario now. Now, as you said, he's got a good budget, but is he up for a relegation battle? I know they got robbed on, on Saturday and, and he was right in what he said, that it was a shocking decision. And uh, isn't it sod's law that the ref who made that, or the VAR ref that made that awful decision then gets to come on the turf and uh, completely guess every throwing in free kick because he hasn't got a clue what's going on. Um, so, you know, I'll say this now while I'm whinging about the ref, but I did think the reaction was was very strong from Lampard and it, and it struck me as a man who's under pressure and perhaps he's not best at, at keeping a, a calm head and dealing with that pressure and you saw by contrast you know the reaction of Sean Dyche yesterday you know if we lose a game it's like well you know on to the next one if we draw a game on to the next one if we win on to the next one he's very calm he's very cool he looks like he's in control always and you know he's been there done that and got the t-shirt and I have to say obviously Everton have got a much more expensive squad than us you'd probably say on paper they've got a better team but I think out of those four, I think I'm really happy with the manager that we've got. Yeah, it's astonishing, really, to look at the table now and think a month ago, we were all absolutely certain it was either going to be Norwich, Watford, Burnley or Newcastle. And now I've just looked at the table and Newcastle have <laughs> found, the, found themselves in 14th. They must be getting nosebleeds up there. Uh, but looking at the other the other teams down there, you've got Leeds, you've got Brentford, Newcastle. All, all us four could theoretically drop down into the bottom at, you know, at, at one point or another. But I think, I think, Natalie, for me, I'm feeling a lot more confident, you know, despite despite the loss to Leicester. I just think that Palace result, like Tom was saying earlier, just to go there, not put in the best performance, but just to get a draw and get a point out, yeah. it, it's really promising. And the fact, you know, as, as many pundits keep banging on about, and rightfully so, our defence has been brilliant this season. And it's, it's tough to see teams with good defences go down. I think Tom mentioned this on Twitter the other day. Teams with good defences don't necessarily go down. It's teams with bad ones. And yeah. teams with bad ones, you're looking at likes of Brentford, Leeds, Leeds, but you're not looking at Burnley, are you? No, and I think we had a guest on our previous show um, in for the Arsenal game, one of our uh, regular friends, and um, he, he came to us with that very stat and he said, if you look at the stats um, for relegated side, it's very, very rare 
for sides that don't concede goals to actually get relegated. Um, I've gone completely polar opposite to how down and dumps I was not so long ago. At this moment in time, I cannot see Burnley getting relegated. I just don't think it's going to be us. And I, I and that is that is a complete emotional reaction. I know that I'm letting my heart rule my head, maybe, and I know that I'm one of the worst fans in the world for letting that extreme emotion get to me. And I get angry when I come off turf and I tweet about stuff. And I always, but that's just an emotional reaction to loving the team and to getting invested in what's happening. But at this moment in time, on the back of this last week's performance, the impact that that Vegost has had. I, I just don't see it. So I think it's going to be Watford, Norwich, Brentford. I think it's, I think it's definitely, I think Brentford are going down. I think that's an absolute, I think it's definitely Norwich and Brentford. It's just whether or not we can keep our noses ahead of Watford. Um, Leeds, I think, are in real trouble. Newcastle won't go down. Everton are definitely not going down. Um, Leeds may very well go down just because they've lost all of their goal scorers. They, they're not scoring goals and they are leaking goals. Now, yes, they've changed their manager, but I think that was a nonsense decision because it's not. it wasn't for me Bielsa's tactics that were getting Leeds relegated. It's the, the massive injury problems that they've had this season, particularly to their goal scorers. Now, a new manager is going to come in. He's not going to change that because he's still got the same players available to him. So I think they're banging trouble. So... For me, I think Brentford and Norwich are down and I think it's one from Watford, Leeds and Burnley and we don't concede goals. And I think I just think we've got enough about us that we can survive. So for me, that's my declaration today. Burnley will not be the side that goes down. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that to come out on a Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, that's, that's Honestly, it's bright in my evening. I started out this morning in such a foul mood, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to end on a high. Unless, Tom, are you going to tell me that we're destined to go down rock bottom. No. No, to be fair, I've, I've been saying for like the last couple of months that I thought I couldn't see us getting out of it. And the last couple of weeks, now I can. Now that's not to say we definitely will. Um, and I do think it's still in the balance a lot. You know, a couple of weeks here and there is going to make, make a big difference. And you know, we've got Chelsea on Saturday. You don't expect us to get anything from that. Brentford away is huge because let's say we drop points in that game. Um, Southampton have won tonight in the FA Cup, which means we'll not be playing them the week after, which means it's a two-week break. That might be good for us, but it is a two-week break. You maybe lose a bit of momentum. And then the game after that is Man City. So let's say in the next three games, we lose to Chelsea. We don't beat Brentford. We lose to Man City. All of a sudden then, you know, if other teams get a win or two, that gap's back. You know, we're only, we're still, let's not forget, we're still in the relegation zone. So we've got to be realistic, you know. Now, to me, looking at our remaining fixtures, Chelsea and Man City, the only two games that I would say I don't expect us to get anything out of or I don't feel we can get anything out of necessarily. Um, but the rest, there's another 11 games and I feel we could get points in all of them, whether that's one or three. Um, so I would say um, it might be wise to kind of reassess after the Man City game. Let's see where we are, especially if teams around us have not been picking up wins. And we are still within touching distance there. We're going to be back in a position where we've got games in hand. Um, then, yeah, then let's reassess there. So I'm not I'm not saying we definitely will get out of it. I think there's still a good chance we, we, we could go down. But compared to what I felt like a couple of weeks ago, I just did not see any any way out for us at all. And, and now I can see it happening. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more positive than I was for sure. Tom, Tom, can I just say, I, I really hope it doesn't it doesn't hurt for you later on tonight. You know when you're pulling a piece of defence out your backside. I really hope it doesn't. It doesn't hurt. I didn't think he was sat on the fence, and I thought that was quite a. I thought that was quite an honest assessment. I thought he left himself quite vulnerable there. Did did young Tom? God, you're a harsh horse. I'm not handing over the reins to you again, George. It's a good job I jumped on. Poor Tom would have been. See, this is. I look after. I look after the panel, Tom. This is what happens when you let the kids involved. George comes out. <laughs> Next time I'll just say, yeah, we're getting relegated. And, and, and exactly. <laughs> no, because then you'll get criticised for being negative. You cannot win with George Poole, honestly. Listeners, we're not lying. We're not making this up. What at the end of the season, as an end of season special, I'm going to screenshot some of the chats that we've had. George sends us all into just, it, it drives poor Rich Steele up the wall. It's like, oh, we don't know where we are with him. He goes from being like the most negative area on the panel to the most relentless rabbit, um, hamster you've had positivity hamster you've ever seen and then just bullies us all i'm gonna keep it i'm gonna tell your dad on you 
<laughs> um, I'm just I'm just going to make you aware that seeing as I'm the host on the Zoom call, I can remove remove uh, attendees at any time. And that yeah, goes for you too, yeah. Romley. I can remove you from the team, George, so <laughs> trumped. Well, we need, to, we need to wrap up this podcast now, Natalie. We, we don't want to be going down any rabbit holes like that. Um, but Natalie, before we do wrap up, obviously you uh, didn't get your say on the, the first few games we covered. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, report or say before we go off? No, we're all good. We're all good. I shall listen back to the first half an hour. I'm sorry I'm late. I was late. But yeah, no, thanks for, for covering for us, guys. Um, but yeah, let's I, I'm actually gonna say we're gonna we're gonna win away at Chelsea. There we go. Uh, we're not at home, are we? We're gonna win at Chelsea uh at Saturday. So that's what I'm gonna leave you with. A victory. <laughs> yeah, and if we do get a victory, we thanks you now, Natalie. That's what that's what I'm I've saying. Full credit. Yeah. Full credit. No, yeah, I, no I, I certainly agree. And it won't be anything to do with this uh, fire sale of Chelsea that you've uh, rightfully mentioned in our chat. I mean, that's going to be an interesting one to uh, to keep an eye on. But uh, God, I, I guess I'll have wrapping up duties here. Oh, gosh, I've always been rubbish at wrapping paper. But um, no, thanks. You, thank you, listeners, for everything. Um, thank you for listening in. And also, may I just say, before we do go off, is for anyone who did get involved with the photo project uh, that I was doing down at Palace for the Claret's Trust, thank you. For, um you know, brilliant of you to get involved. And I'll be doing the same at Brentford. Now, I know Rich Steele's already been messaging me today saying, can you get a picture of me, please, at Brentford? They look really nice. So, Richard, yes, I'll get a photo of you. But, you know, if there's a queue, you'll have to go to the back of it. But, no, thanks, listeners, for listening in, as always. And thanks to George Gaskell for providing ours, our brilliant music. So, now that I've just sellotaped the wrapping paper around this brilliant podcast, I'll leave you be for the evening. So thanks, listeners, and we'll see you next time on the Known Air Never podcast. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.